So, our uh, little summer break is back. Anson gets a little bit more of a break, um, but uh, hopefully he'll be back on our next episode. Uh, how's your uh, time off there, Alson? Are we doing a What I Did This Summer segment? No, I'm just asking generically. You know, Did you have a good August, a good time off? I had a restful break, Jeffrey, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> okay, well, let me stress you out right away. We are going to play the Immaculate Grid for hockey. Because I feel like doing it. Do you know what that is? No. It's basically like a Sudoku version of... like, Yeah, basically like you have three squares or whatever. And you need to um, basically fill in each square with a player that matches like each, requir- each requirement. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to send you a picture of this week's Immaculate Grid. And what's going to happen is that you're going to help with um, filling it out. Does that sound good? Wow, this sounds terrible. All right. So for the viewers who don't see the actual Immaculate Grid, I will try to verbally describe it to you. Uh, Alston has a picture of it. Do you have it, Alston? This is terrible. I hate this. No, what we're going to do, I mean, I, I feel like you could do pretty well on it. But basically, on the top row, we have the Carolina Hurricanes, the New Jersey Devils, and 40 goal seasons. And this is all on hockey reference. On your left columns, you have Colorado, Washington, and Dallas. And basically, for each square that, you know, there's a, there's a row and a column heading, you have to find a player that matches both of those descriptions. So, we'll start off easy. So... In your first square, Carol- someone who's played for both Carolina and Colorado. Uh, I want to say Paul Stasny. All right. I'm going to type in Paul Stasny here, and we'll see what you get. Paul Stasny. Ah, 31% of people pick Paul Stasny's. Okay, next one. All right, all right. Colorado and the New Jersey. Uh... I want to go with uh, Claude Lemieux. That's a good. That's a good shout. That's a. That's a one that's a little bit out there. Oh, I guess not really out there because apparently forty-seven percent of people picked that too. <laughs> and then now, so one thing with the Immaculate Grid is that you can't repeat players. So name a player who played on Colorado who had a forty-goal season. Uh, I want to go with Forsberg. Forsberg. I'm talking. I'm guessing Peter Forsberg. Yes. That is uh, incorrect. Really? Yeah, he never had a 40-goal season. Time to look it up. Forsberg. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can't look it look up. Look at how many goals Peter Forsberg has. He doesn't fit anything else in here. Peter Forsberg, most he had was... Oh, 30. I thought he'd have a 40-goal season. Most he has 30. Well, he was injured so often that I feel like he never played like a full season to get to 40, I feel like. like he played, Maybe he was on pace for 40, but never actually got there. Okay. Do you want? We'll just skip that box and move on to our next box then. Uh, someone who's played for the Capitals and the Hurricanes. Capitals and Hurricanes. Uh, I don't know. I don't watch a lot of Capitals hockey. Oh, um, um, Yager. Yager. Yager never played for the Hurricanes. Oh my god! The, the next box. Yeah, next box is Yager. <laughs> okay. Fine. 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 Okay. I'll That's fine. Yager... I'll, put, I'll, I'll take an L in this box. The next box, Capitals and, and the uh, Devils. The Devils? Yeah. Yager. 
All right, and now Capitals with Ovechkin. someone who's played. Okay, <laughs> we're just waiting for to see the percentage on this one. Seventy-two percent of people picked Ovechkin. Okay, yeah, that was that was next... easy. All right, next one is Dallas and Carolina. Dallas and Carolina. I have no clue. Uh try to think of one that can give you a hint. Um. I feel like a goalie has played with these two teams before. Dallas and Carolina. Auntie Ranta? I'll give you a redo on that one. Because I'm not 100% sure, but I have a feeling that he did. I'm going to put an Auntie Ranta regardless. Okay, fine. That is incorrect. All right. Dallas and New Jersey. Dallas and New Jersey. Oh. Scott Wedgwood, wasn't he? Drafted by Coyotes and traded to the Devils. Yeah, that's a good pick. Eight percent of people pick Scott Wedgwood. That's a good one. And then a Dallas star who had a forty goal season. Now, granted, he didn't have to have forty goals with Dallas. He just had to have played with Dallas at some point in his career and then had a forty goal season. My first guess was Modano, but then when you put it like that, no, I mean you could pick a. That was Dallas star who had 40 goals that season, but you know, it there's more options than just you know, someone who played for Dallas and had a 40 goal season that same I'm gonna season. Go with Mike Medano, I know it's wrong. See, I was hoping you would just pick with the easy one and just say Jamie Ben, but Medano was correct. Yeah, uh, so, so your rarity you score was 529, which I don't know what that means. What I don't know what that means, I know from here. Uh, oh, he had a 150 goal season. Let's go. Um, 40 goal seasons for Colorado. Um, do we not think one of McKinnon or Rantanen probably had 40 goals? Well, I said Forsberg because that was my first instinct. Oh, okay. Uh, Washington and Carolina, we could have said Orloff if you know, it counted people who've played already, but um, unfortunately that didn't uh, happen. But some people that you could have picked could have been... Uh, just loading the screen. Um, but I think I thought Dallas and Carolina, I was trying to hint at Anton Kadobin because I think he played like a game for Carolina or something. So that's why I kind of uh, mentioned him. But, you know, not bad for, uh, you know, your first time playing. And uh, did I stress you out? Is that all the stress you can take for the, for the season now? Yes. We're never doing this again. Thank you. Bye. All right. Let's start the show proper, shall we? You're listening to the Bag of Pucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. Um, I feel like we missed some pretty big things during this month of August. Normally August is kind of chill, but uh, I think we missed well one big trade, one big extension, and another, I don't know, I, I just thought it'd be something that we could quickly talk about as well, and then... Uh, kind of be like our nice intro episode before we get into the real hockey come you know mid-september hard-hitting coverage that you come here for well i mean people don't come here for the hard-hitting news they come here for the joint entertainment of us talking about hockey related stuff but me making an ass of myself yeah uh no not always you know sometimes it's me making an ass of myself sometimes it's anson right we all take turns it's a very even podcast. We're all very equal here. But um, let's talk about the big trade that happened while we were off. The Eric Carlson trade. 
What do you make of it, Allison? What's your first thoughts on the Eric Carlson trade? I mean, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, they got nothing. Like, the, the Sharks got nothing, right? Like, I don't know. They're trying to rebuild, and the only real piece they could rebuild with that is the first round draft pick. Really, if you think about it. And then, I don't know, the Habs feel like they got something out of nothing? Does that make sense? Yeah, like I think with uh, like San Jose, given that you're trading the reigning Norris Trophy winner, the fact that all you got was a first round pick and that you you still took on extra cap, but at least like it's not long term cap. It's maybe in the year, maybe a two years, and then and so like four years with Carlson, that's your bonus. But still, like you, it, it kind of shows like how thin the market was for Eric Carlson that. This was all they could get, right? And does this does this in your mind tell you that teams think that this isn't like a sustainable thing? It's like a flash in the pan. What's not sustainable? Like, they think he's going to regress back, or do you, is it because you think teams were interested, but Carlson just shot them all down? I think in general, teams are just no longer interested in players over thirty making, um eight figures a year. I think that they see that in roster construction, unless you've got like a young inter prime guy, that's the only reason why you would lock someone up for uh, eight digits a year, which we'll see in one of our next topics, right? Like once they hit 30, 31, 32, like when they're no longer the prime, it's harder and harder to um, make an argument saying that like, yes, this person is worth that much money. Right. Like there's very few players that once they hit, you know, the 32, 33, that they're worth, you know, making $10 million plus a year. Yeah. Like for the full trade, I thought we thought it was just going to be Pittsburgh and San Jose. Right. And then Montreal kind of the blue came out of nowhere, which you kind of alluded to, right? Like I really don't know what <laughs> the Habs are here for, I guess, you know, getting rid of Mike Hoffman helps. Um, getting rid of Rampit, like who had submitted a trade request and then just gained back some, maybe a couple of useful parts. And then they did reflip Jeff Petrie to the Red Wings right after. So, I mean, they, they moved some pieces and stuff. So they're kind of just there. But obviously the one team we didn't talk about was the Penguins. Like this is a team that got taken over by Kyle Dubas this summer, basically was told to, you know, give this team one last shot. And, you know, he made, you know, I don't know if it's a huge improvement, but he took a significant step in trying to say, like, hey, we're going to try to make this team stay competitive for basically the next three, four years. Do you think this team is competitive for the next three, four years? Um, I think that it's going to be rough. Uh, I think it all comes down to whether they can find those extra pieces to fill out, like, to surround their aging core, right? Like, that's always been the thing that they've had trouble with. And I, I do think they have a better supporting cast than they did before. But I, I, I don't know. Like, like Chris Letang is probably just as injury prone as an Eric Carlson. So maybe having both of them eases both of their workloads. And I think both, you know, stay healthy while they, you know, get into their mids and late 30s. But... I don't know if I'm like a huge fan of like their top end talent 
surrounding, you know, their core four, right? Like the Crosby, Malkin, Carlson, Latang, right? Like realistically, the only like younger player that you would say is like in their prime would be Jake Gensel, but he's only got a year left in his contract. Like he seems like a candidate that's they probably can't resign, so they're gonna have to find you know young pieces again and. I don't know. They just ha- just haven't been able to find those like depth and ancillary pieces that they were before. How much of this does it feel like they made the move because it made sense for them to make the move to have a better player, and not because they needed a player like this? Like, like you mentioned, they're kind of similar in how they play. Yeah, like I think Latang does play defense. <laughs> so I think that's a big difference from Carlson. Like, I think Carlson can focus on the offensive workload. I don't know if you want Latan to take on the full defensive workload, but I think they realized that they did bring in Jeff Petrie last year in hopes that he could kind of, you know, lessen the workload a little bit for Latang, but Petrie kind of bombed in Pittsburgh. So they brought in another guy. Like, like it was kind of weird when people were saying like, oh, Carlson to the Pens. I was like, don't they have a number one defenseman in Latang already? Like, why are they in the bidding for it? But to me, it's it still doesn't really make too much sense. Um, but you know, like it's it's Carlson, right? Eric Carlson is the reigning Norris Trophy winner. If you can add talent to your team and not having to give up that much in terms of pieces, I mean, as a team, like I, I would say, like the Penguins are better than they were pre Carlson trade. The question is, how much better, and was it really worth it? Okay, that brings up a question for you then. Do you think it's worth it? Now, you you, you know me as a very uh, Mike Babcock coach, where I like my defensemen to be left and right-handed. And that's all I care. That's all. That's my only similarity with Mike Babcock. I just like to have left-right defensive pairings. I would not be spending this amount of salary cap on a guy who's going to be playing my second pair, right-handed DE, who is probably going to need some protection um, in order to be successful on the ice. Um, like, your offensive ceiling is through the roof, but can you prevent goals? And could you have used that salary cap space for something else? Maybe, but I think with the Penguins, the main thing was that they got rid of their mistakes, right? They got rid of some contracts that they... You know, they made some trades at the deadline, didn't really work out, and they didn't want to be stuck with pieces that weren't going to work out, so they cleared that up. So, I don't know. To, to me, I, I don't think it was worth it, but, I mean, they are a better team, so it's just like if I was going to make a trade, I would want a larger effect on my team versus probably what's going to be a, maybe four or five points in the standing increase. But, like you mentioned, right? you got rid of a lot of your your problems. Yeah, like I, I guess, like, I think in the end, right, they did open up some, like, some cap space, which kind of helped. But, and that, I mean, if that cap space was used and they were able to get, like, a better goalie than Jari, or they were able to get another, like, you know, middle six forward type guy to play in their, or someone that could play in their top six, I would be like, okay, that makes sense. But right now, like, I, I look at this team, and I mean, it, it's still a good team, but like, it's a lot older team, and 
if injuries hit, like it's just like who's the next guy who's going to step up, right? Like I, I like the top six. It's not bad. It's fairly even. But the bottom six, you you have to like you're you're praying that they work out, right? They're not like pieces that you're like okay for sure they're going to be good, right? Like I don't know that that third line to me looks like a fourth line, and, and then you have the problem in net with Tristan Jerry, right? Like what do you know? What what is he going to do, right? So okay, but how? Where would you find a replacement for Jari now? You're not going to find a replacement jar with with what you need and what you what's available, right? Yeah, but like I mean, at the beginning of like before they resigned Jerry, right? Like they had like a f- open market on you know who they could potentially get. Um, I don't know if they could have been in the market for Hellebuck for one year. That's a little bit of a big if. And I I don't know. Like I felt like they could have done better, like. A goalie tandem of Jari and Adelkovic is not really inspiring, especially with you know adding a guy like Eric Carlson on defense, where you're gonna have to play. You're go- you need to trust your goalie a little bit more, right? So, I don't know. I I felt like the resources used in terms of like trade pieces and picks and stuff, I think it was a good trade, but in terms of your salary cap usage, maybe not the best. So at the end of the day. All things considered, you wouldn't do this trade again. Uh, if I was the Penguins, probably not. If I was the Habs, yes, I would love to be involved in this trade at, and take people. At what point is it worth it for you? I think like, you already they, gave up nothing, right? So, like, what more would they have to do to sweeten it for you to be like, all right, you know what, screw it, I'll do it. I think that if they were able to get the Sharks to retain a bit more. And even if it cost them, you know, another asset, I think it would have been worth it. It's the problem is just that the Sharks weren't willing to, you know, retain any more than what they did, right? Like, if you know, if they Mike Greer had, you know, was saying like, okay, we will retain as much as we want. You just have to give us assets. If I was the Penguins, I would have done it because I think that like they don't have any up and coming prospects coming. I think their main way that they're going to build is through getting, you know, players to come to them, be like, hey, you can play with Crosby, you can play with Malkin, you can play with Tate, you can play with Carlson. Like, this may be, you know, a championship team if you come in here on the cheap, which, I don't know, I, I feel like a lot of their depth pieces, when I saw that they signed with um, the Penguins, a lot of them seem to have, like, a little bit of that buy-in that, you know, there's a chance that they can play in the top six or, you know, like, they've got some guys that, you know, probably signed a little bit less than what they probably would have gotten, you know, elsewhere. Okay, we're going to be kind of going on a tangent here. It's too bad. Do you think players like Crosby, Malkin, and Latang still get the draw they do compared to in the past? I think Crosby, yeah, still, but like Malkin and Latang, do they still draw players in like they used to do? I don't think Malkin or Latang ever drew anyone in. I think it was it's all been Crosby. I I, I just looped them in together because they're part of the original core. But I think your your message people are like your management could be like, oh, you know, you could play with Crosby, Malkin, Latang, but everyone is just more like, oh, I just want to be in the same locker room as one of the greatest players ever in the NHL, who is just Crosby. Does that kind of answer your question? Yeah, it does. 
Okay, no, that makes sense. But I think compared to like other players, I got like players I'm thinking of, like whether you would kind of maybe compare it to would be like a, especially the younger generation, like like an Austin Matthews. Like I feel like an Austin Matthews probably brings in the players, you know, attraction a bit more, right? I think the attraction is a little bit more in the sense that unless you get to play with him, fine. But like if you're looking like if you're looking to win, are the Leafs really the team that you're going to? Unless yeah, like unless you you're like got a chance to play on that top line with him and Marner, I really don't think there's as much of that appeal. Plus you're going to a place like a city like Toronto where there's a lot more scrutiny. There's income tax because it's Canada, right? Like I, I don't think there's as much an appeal, but I mean, like if, you know, the Leafs suddenly make it to the Stanley Cup final this year somehow, right? Then I think teams might be like, players might be like, Hey, like this is a team that is on the up and up. This is a team that can challenge for Stanley Cups every year. I want to be there because there's, it gives me the best, one of the best chances to win a cup. That's when I'll go. And I think what you're alluding to here is um, Austin Matthews has uh, signed an extension that, I, I think took longer than what people thought would take, right? Like this is a guy that we're pretty sure was going to resign. And we would think, you know, if they're going to resign, it's going to be July 1st. But really rarely do we see an extension for a guy who's probably like a all-star guy. And he gets an extension on like a, what's it? Like an August 23rd. Like that's a weird time. So he becomes the highest paid player in the league, right? By AAV, I think he is, but I want to say McKinnon, I think, is going to make more money. I don't know. It's all weird because this is an extension for Matthews, so this contract doesn't start until, the, not this upcoming season, but the season after. But I want to say, like, McKinnon's contract somewhere, like, he's going to make, like, a whole bunch of signing bonus money somewhere along the line that's going to be more than Matthews. So coming back to it then, how much of this is that they just don't want to deal with the media? Will he or will he will will he not resign for the entire year? Because man, that is so annoying. Like I think we knew he had to be signed before the season start, or else it would just hang over their head. But. I, I think it still surprised me it took until, like, late August for this to be decided. Like, I thought this was going to be something that would be done, like, first week of July. Granted, I mean, Brad Tree Living came in a little bit late. So maybe that's why it took this long. Like, maybe it wasn't understanding of this case. But, yeah, yeah, like, they had to get this deal done. Like if it, So I think it comes down to this. Though. I think this is an underrated part that I don't think people really consider. If he went to the open market... What kind of team that is still contending would have an opening for him? I don't think there's that many men. Yeah, no, I agree. Like in terms of teams that would have significant cap space next year, I mean, obviously it would be the Leafs because they would have gotten rid of Matthews and Marner's contract. But realistically, I think there's like very few contending teams. Right, like I, I want to say the Hurricanes might have been one of the teams that has like significant cap space going into next year. Maybe the Devils had like a little bit of cap space, but realistically, like Toronto was the only team that really had a 
would would have like a significant shot. But again, teams could clear up cap space in anticipation if they knew Matthews was going to hit the open market. Like say what you will, there's only so many teams that a player of his caliber can really sign with. Unless, you know, you t- he takes a steep discount. But, like, these are all hypotheticals that I'm not, I'm not going to try to entertain. Yeah, and I think what we've seen with Matthews is that he's not a guy who's going to take a hometown discount, right? Like, the contract that he signed after his entry level took him straight to free agency. Like, really, rarely do we see... Like, most people look for, like, that long-term security, right? Like, Matthews, Sean, during his entry-level deal, we all expected, you know eight-year deal, sign and done, you know, get him up until, into his, like, through to his prime, but then he signs that five-year deal that takes him right to free agency. So, like, he's, like, he's really focused on just, like, maximizing how much money he can earn each contract. He's not worried about, you know, what if he gets injured and stuff. Like, he's just worried about now, like, the present and the now. This I need to make this much money. And this four-year contract kind of lets him do that again, right? Like, after when he finishes contract, he's still like fairly young enough that like if he hits free agency, he's probably going to earn another eight digit figure per year contract. See, I find the idea of a hometown discount like overrated. Does that make sense to you? Uh no, not really. What do you mean, really mean by that? Like, if they if they do it, cool. If they don't, I don't think like fans really can complain about it you know what i mean like it's it's a nice but it's not something you should expect your team players to do like at the end of the day i'm sorry yeah they make a whole bunch of money but they have relatively short careers yeah like i i think hometown discount is in the sense of like when you're older right like onze kopitar's extension is what i would say is like a hometown discount like actually i don't know he is worth more than eight million dollars i would say but like like he's a guy that's you know been there for a long time already like i would count as a hometown discount um jason spezza when he signed with the leafs you know i call that like a hometown discount um the only time where i'm kind of like okay maybe they could have is like when you've got two stars Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, right? They worked kind of worked together to get their extensions together. Like they're both kind of the foundations of that team, and they both knew that, you know, they still want to earn the money, but how much money could they earn together while still allowing the Blackhawks to kind of build a team around them? But yeah, again, this comes down to, oh, it's nice you're doing it, but it's like fans shouldn't expect it to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think that fans should expect it. I mean, it's it's wishful thinking, right? They want, you know, it, it, if you know, if people could sign Matthews for seven seventy five a year, I think every fan would want that, right? But you know, at the same time, these guys are professional hockey players. Like you said, it's a short earning period. Um, yeah, like they need to make as much money as they can when they're healthy and in their prime. Yeah, like, I don't know. It just feels like it's the expectations there. And I don't like it. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think in the end, like, I think the general reaction is that, oh, again, he doesn't sign for eight years or oh, he's going to be the highest paid NHL player. But realistically, no, that's going to be next year. Um, 
the thing is that I think you compare it to like a lot of you know other top players who are assigned for that much money, um, like McDavid and McKinnon. Like McKinnon's one. McDavid's probably the best player in the NHL. Matthews probably the best goal scorer. But then you look at you know the fact if you were looking to pay for the second best goal scorer in the NHL, who I would say probably Pasternak. He's making like eleven two. It's not bad, right? But I don't know. It's just sometimes you see like all those like really nice like sweetheart deals where like a guy pops off after they sign it, and then people you know begin to complain about like oh you know I I wish we could sign our guy for like that that's small amount right so. I think, but it comes down to it, just like, yeah, but then looking at the rest of that team, right? Speaking of, spe- speaking of sweetheart deals, we have William Nylander. Like, what goes on with William Nylander now? Like, are they just going to keep running it back until eventually it's just like, I don't know, it stops working? Like, because this is where it's going, right? Like, it seems like they're just going to keep running it back. Like, I think the question is, you know, with Nylander, is the cap that you're going to have to spend on him worth it on just him? Or is it worth spreading it out to, you know, multiple players, right? Like, the thing is with the Leafs that they're projected to have about $33 million in cap space next year. But they're going to, they, they don't have a whole ton of guys, like, signed for next year, right? Like, in terms of, like, you know, their core, right? They're gonna have Matthews, Tavares, Marner. They're gonna have David Camp, Cal Yarncroak, Ryan Reeves, uh, Matthew Nyes, Morgan Riley, Jake McCabe, Connor Timmins. Like they they have, you know, a couple of guys signed, but like thirty three million can go by like can disappear really quickly after you sign like three guys at like four or five million, right? Like is it worth you know spending what probably is going to be about like nine million for William Nylander, and then that's going to leave you with what twenty four million to sign seven players? Like I, I, the, it, it it just depends on where they feel like they can best use their cap space, and you know if the cap goes up, it's going to help them a lot. But I think right now, if you're Leafs management, you're kind of hoping to hear that number earlier than later and then that way you can kind of work something out with William Nylander but at the same time like they are he technically already took his hometown discount right well I don't think so like the deal when he signed it like it was one of those deals that was signed like after the season started if I remember correctly so I I don't know if it was like a I wouldn't call it a sweetheart deal like they bought one year of his free agency and it wasn't like he was coming off like a huge season, right? Like he put up consecutive 61 point seasons, but he still wasn't like the number one guy on that team, right? So like 7 million for a guy who was probably going to be like a high end, like a high end top six guy, but he wasn't the guy. I think that was a fair deal for him. You think that's fair? You think that's fair? I always thought, thought that like, I don't want to say he got ripped off, but like, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't particularly close. I think he's definitely outgrown his deal. Like, if you told me a guy putting up 20 goals, 60 points a year, was making $7 million, I'd be like, you know, that that's fair value. But when this guy's a 
got 87 points, had 40 goals last season, then I'm kind of like, okay, yeah, he probably doesn't, he probably should be making closer to the $9, $10 million mark. So I think that's the question, right? Can the Leafs build a team around four guys making over $10 million? That's the major question I think people, they're going to have to answer. I think that's the question that everyone's wanted to know for the longest time. Like, is it possible? And right now, like, if you ask me to, I would say I'm not sure, but if I was to had to answer the question like today, like I need the answer now, I would probably go with no. Like if you like if you look at another sport, like, like let's look at the NBA, right? Smaller rosters, but like like the Phoenix Suns, who have like four guys or five guys making like max money, and the rest are depth pieces. Right, but that's different though. That's different though. Yeah, like the difference is that like the NBA teams are a lot smaller, right? So like, you know, and your core guys are playing like a lot of minutes. But then again, like no one really thinks the Suns are really gonna be, you know, championship. They're probably gonna be a playoff team, but are they gonna win? Ugh, that's a bit iffy. And are they sustainable? Also not. So when you pull it back to like the Leafs, where we're gonna have maybe have four guys making 10 millions, but you know, these guys aren't playing 30, 40 minutes a night for you. You've got other guys that you need depth pieces. You need to not just have guys on minimum contracts. You can kind of see that. Yeah. It probably won't work out. Cause like, I, I don't think, see, I see, I don't know. I've never loved the whole comparison with the NBA because it's, well, the percentage of the game players are playing are, are different. Yeah, no, completely, right? And and that's why I'm trying to provide the parable, like the, the parallel in the sense like the fact that it doesn't work in the NBA means it definitely won't work in the NHL. <laughs> okay, that's fair. So where now? Like, do you just, like, what do you do? You just keep doing it, right? Like, but what changes each time to make it, you know, push the team forward? I don't see what the Leafs are doing to keep pushing every season my question is going to be is there a one for one trade where you trade Nylander for a defenseman who's young who fits the team's trajectory that's what I'm looking for like are we going to see give me an example and are you just suggesting the Leafs need to kill McCarr <laughs> Well, that is a cop-out answer. <laughs> no, what I'm, what I'm saying is that they need to spread out their... Not stars, but like... Like, if you're gonna have, you know, these three, four big, huge core players, they shouldn't all be playing the same position, in my opinion. I feel like, you know, a core team, you need your number one defenseman. Obviously, you need number one center. Mike Morgan Riley... He's good, but is he like a true number one def- center? I mean, number one defenseman? Probably not. But what if you could trade Nylander for a guy that is, you know, a top pairing all situations defenseman? Need a name. Um, I'm trying. I'm trying to find one who has like a similar cap hit. Can you uh, give me a minute and just talk some shit so that I can uh, look some stuff up? Cause like when when you think about it, it's like of what's available. Like there's not that many players at that value. Cause at the end of the day, 
they're cap strapped, right? So it'd be somewhere around seven million, right? So how many players are at that level about seven million who are able to make that type of impact that you're asking for, right? Because I don't think there's that many. Like at the end of the day, these players who can make the impact are making seven million. They're making like what nine, ten, and the and the Leafs have what twenty dollars and some spare change in cap space, like. That's the problem. I think that's where you're not going to get full fair. You're not going to get fair value. Oh my goodness, for uh, Morgan Riley, because how else are you going to find another player who's on a weirdly cheap contract like that? Like, there's not that many. That's the whole point of this. There isn't, so you're kind of stuck. Can I interest you in a guy who's making seven point five million? Right-handed defenseman who can play all situations when he plays. The when he plays is extremely concerning to me already. He he's around the same age ish. He's twenty seven. You know that's that's pretty good age. He's signed for um, seven point five. I'm trying to wait. When does his contract expire? Oh, that's the question. Ah, uh, he's got. Oh no, he's only got two more years. Maybe not not a deal, but like. I could see like an Aaron Eplad, right? Like, like you're not gonna get like a star defenseman, right? But like, getting a solid, like because you're not expecting to get a number one defenseman back for a William Nylander. But if you can get like a number two defenseman for William Nylander, I think if you're the Leafs, you should take a look at that, right? Like, heck, do you go if if you're um what's his face? If you're Brad Tree Living, do you go back to um, Calgary and be like, hey, is Hannafin still available? Would you like a Nylander for that? Plus, like, like getting like H- Hannafin plus, like Nylander for Hannafin straight up is not fair trade. But, like, I wonder if they might look, might, they might start looking at trade options if they realize, hey, we're not going to be willing to spend $9 million on a second line right winger. Okay. Okay. You bring up some good names. I'm, I'm going to. I'm gonna applaud you for that. You bring up some interesting names, but at the end of the day, like it just seems like you're kind of just a little bit like stalling, like at because if you look at the lease right now, like you no player. I guess maybe Mark Giordano, you might want to you could bring down, but like this team on defense is pretty committed at that dollar value. If you add in an extra. What eight million? That defense has cost you twenty nine million. Yeah, no, but I think you're looking at the long term, right? Like, I I think that if you're looking to just trade, you're also going to be looking at moving John Klingberg away to another team if you can. Like, I know he's got a modified no trade clause, but you can work around it. But like, I think that's the type of deal. Well, I mean, if if you're looking to, well, I mean, like, I don't think he's going to be that much of a cap casualty. Like, the thing is, if if you're the Leafs, right, like, I don't think this is something that's going to be happening very soon, right? Like, I think it's just going to be closer to the deadline, right? Like, if you're, like, for sure knowing that you're not going to be able to sign Nylander to an extension, a, he can be a rental for you, but if there is an option to bring back a guy 
that fits your team better and maybe has more of a long-term future with your team, I, I think you'd do it. But uh, like, I, I just don't see the Leafs committing so much resources, so much money to four forwards when they can they have other issues that they need to address, right? Like, who's going to play net for them next season, right? Who's going to be playing under D-line next season, right? Like, there, there's a lot of questions for next year. And I think as much, you know, as we need to focus on this year for the Leafs and Sonny Matthews and Nylander, they, they need to also look at the next season when they had to sign extensions for Marner and Tavares, right? Like, I, I don't know. I, my, my best case scenario for the Leafs is that they trade Nylander for a solid two, number two defenseman that has a long-term future with the Leafs. So if they did that, is it kind of like you're admitting that this experiment was a failure? No, I think it's just that, you know, you recognize that you're not going to be able to, you know, like their experiment, I would say, was having Matthews, Marner, Tavares. I I think Nylander has always been that extra piece. I don't think he was ever, because he wasn't making $10 million, I don't think he was ever considered to be part of that like group like Nylander isn't a guy who can drive his own line I think that was fairly clear so I think that's why he's kind of like in a separate tier from those three I would even say Tavares is kind of closer to Nylander's tier than Matthews Marner but I digress all right all right all right we shall see um those are my thoughts I had one stupid question I think it's not a question I guess I guess it's a question I've had before that I still have but it's really unrelated to what's going on this offseason. Anything else you got before we went there? Nope. You go for it. Can can you or one of our listeners explain to me the appeal of gritty? It's been several years and I still don't get the appeal of gritty. Like the Flyers mascot? Yes. I, I think the appeal was he was new. And that he did things that were not necessarily outrageous, but like just things that weren't common or typical for a mascot. And to me, I mean, like he takes a lot from the fanatic as well. So I think it's just a city of Philadelphia. Like he was new. He's coming during a time where, you know, mascots were still kind of dull in the NHL, but he was willing to, you know, do some different things. So. That that that's my take. I think if you could ask one of our f- listeners who's a Flyers fans or might know Gritty a little bit more, maybe they might be able to provide you some more information. But that's just my. So how much of this? Sorry, how much of this is that? It's because he's weird. Seventy five percent of it. I don't know what the other twenty five percent is, but I would say quite a bit of it is the fact that he's weird. He's unique, right? Like he's different from like your mascot that's just there to you know you know, give hugs, take pictures. Like, he's willing to do some, you know, weird things. Like, I mean, he hasn't gotten to the point where he's standing over the opponent's bench and then gets his tongue ripped out like Harvey the dog, right? But, like, you know, I think he he borderlines on that end, I would say. Okay. Because, yeah, like, it seems like the appeal of him has remained strong. And, you know, that's awesome, whatever. But, like, I don't – because I'm boring. I don't see the appeal. And I'm hoping I was hoping someone, aka you, would kind of be like, "Oh, this is why people love him," 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a huge appeal for him either. I, I, I don't know. I think he's just new, and that made him marketable, and that's the NHL has used that to kind of market their game and their business, basically. So maybe that's why. Okay. That was my question for you. Um, that's all I've got, Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's much for me. I think we'll just see what happens in you know two weeks' time. Maybe training camp will start. Maybe we'll get some more extensions for quite a few of our RFAs who have yet to sign. Uh, but uh, we shall see. And with that, we'll talk to you guys in two weeks. Thanks for listening to the Bag Pucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.